Hello there ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of CookieCast. Today on CookieCast it's the football podcast. We've got everybody here and we've got lots and lots and lots of games to talk about. We've got games from last week, we've got games coming up this week and there's a lot of them. We've got the news and we've got the fun stuff, the stuff that you're really here for. Before we get started with talking football, while I've got you, please do consider subscribing. Wherever you get your podcast, it doesn't matter whether you're watching along or just listening, you can subscribe, drop us a comment, like, share, all of that stuff. It all means the world to us. Right, let's get started. So here we go. This is CookieCast Football Podcast. Recording in progress. Paul, give the lady what she wants. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I know what you're thinking. You've dialed in. You've signed in. You've you've got your got your viewable devices and your listening devices all switched on. You've you've tuned in. You're you're ready and raring to go for another week's update of football. And uh, it's weird because I think all we're going to be talking about is the Nottingham Forest game for last week. So should we uh, should we move on to that? I don't think uh, I don't think Middlesbrough played at the end. Did they? I think that game got cancelled. Yeah. So so we'll just we'll just dive yeah, straight in on Mid- Middlesbrough. Didn't, I mean, that, Middlesbrough didn't play. Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough didn't play, but Hull did. So oh, uh, we'll, we'll cover the Hull game. That, no, no, that that's no. We 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 said about the no with the yeah, um, yes. We'll come to it in a while, but yes, uh, it's it's, uh, it's your weekly dose of football nonsense. So, as we do normally, we'll dive into last week's games to give you the ins and outs and the who's and what's nots of, uh, of what went down. Uh, as as Paul mentioned, uh, the Middlesbrough game was cancelled, uh, and in its place was the uh, Hull City game. Um, Hull City played a, a, a another team. That are also called Middlesbrough. I mean, you say team. Now, uh, I personally did not see the game. This will come as no surprise to anybody. But from text exchange and checking in on the BBC football, um, something was going a little bit strange, awry, some might say. Who wants to take on the challenge of talking about the Middlesbrough on my side of the screen or the Hull game? I I think I think I should reveal the score and then I think our correspondent in the field should give us his blow by blow account of uh, how he very much enjoyed his uh, trip to the north. So. For the, for the purposes of the scorebook and those listening and playing along at home, the final score was Middlesbrough, or the team that pretended to be Middlesbrough, nil. Hull City, one. Scored by podcast favourite, Mr. Keen Lewis Potter. I say podcast favourite... He might be sort of seventy-five percent favourite after the weekend's antics. Um, well, he's got he's got a new name. 
in the in the Williams household. He's now referred to as Keen Lewis Pricker. So, <sighs> I mean, what he does in his spare time is entirely up to him. I tell you what he does. I tell you what he does do in part of his spare time. He uh, he basically runs the ball out, and uh, you know, instead of just you know giving the ball back so we can all get on with the game, he'd rather just waste another couple of minutes by keeping the ball under his arm, and then getting a bit shirty when someone tries to take the ball off him. The little twat. And, and I'm sure in the history of Middlesbrough Football Club that nobody has ever done that wearing a red shirt before, have they? Not in the thirtieth I mean, minute. I, I mean, I mean, we could we could also talk about the fact that the referee clearly is sponsored by Clintons after the weekend. <laughs> Eight? Um, was, it, no, was it nine? Was it nine yellow cards in the end in the one game? It, it was. I think it was one of those games where it, it, it had been bubbling along for a while. The, the sort of the time wasting tactic by Hull, which had started from literally the first minute. Have um, you seen? God. Like, if we're not losing, we need to run the clock down. Come on! <laughs> oh yeah, it was. It was. Uh, the, the The game could be perfectly summed up with the, uh, the comment that I made as I turned to my uh, guest of honour. I mean, I'm about to sort of turn to show you, but she's not there. Um, yes, I decided it was a, lo- a lovely day down on Teesside, so I would take. My, uh, my good lady partner for a second taste of, uh, of, of paradise, so to speak, um, on, the, on the hope that, you know, they're playing against a team well out of form, you know, not, not one of the top boys, so they might actually get a win. No, never going to happen, never going to happen. But about the 65th minute, I just turned to her and said, the way this game's going, I can just see we're not going to score and they're going to get like a really sort of jammy counter-attack goal and they're going to win it 1-0. And I swear to God, 10 minutes later, that's exactly what happened. But, in in all fairness, it would have been, it would have been a draw had we decided to play a keeper who actually had hands at the end of his arms. It would have been a draw... If they'd have scored the same amount of goals, the I mean, it, it would have also pocket. been a draw if they had the uh, if the, if the goal they had scored not have been chalked out for offside, uh, <laughs> and if they, they may have even won the game if they got a penalty in the first half that was turned away. <laughs> this was for those of you on YouTube. This was the uh, message that I sent to the group showing Hull's formation for pretty much all of the game. And the quote above it read, uh, Shots at Avalax's dressing room pre-game talk. Tactic one, time waste. <laughs> Tactic two, at any given chance, test the borough keeper. He's shite. Tactic three, don't talk about tactic one. <laughs> <laughs> Just put that back on the screen, Stu, for a second. Do you know what? I'd have loved it if they'd have played that high. I mean, I'd say shots fired, but, you know, that's how we beat your keeper from 30 yards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Oh, I, I, terrible, I mean, terrible game. Like, the worst the worst part of it was, like, on the train back, um, because we had gone on the train so we could have a few adult beverages. Obviously, you know, no drinking and driving. That's a very, that's a very silly thing to be doing. Um, so on the train back, we ended up getting stood, because obviously this, that was the first train that was that was due back into York. Um, and obviously, 
filled with all supporters. And we ended up getting stood at, um, at the end uh, where I could just hear sort of like, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the team, like the, the chatter going on of, oh, God, they were terrible, weren't they? Et cetera, et cetera. And I was just thinking, it's probably not the time or place to say, no offence, lads, but you were absolutely fucking shite. So, and like, like you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be taking any sort of positives from that game if I was a whole fan because it, it was, yeah, not not one for the purists. Let's put it that way. What would uh, what would Vin Diesel have said though? Whether you win, rock, I, I whether know. you win by an inch or a mile, a win is still a win. The, the the positives I would take from it is that we're now 15 points clear of relegation from the sixth to play. So Barnsley do have seven games to play, but I uh, yeah I'm I'm starting to feel more comfortable now. I think at this, we're at the point now where it would take a spectacular collapse from Hull to go down. And I mean, that, that absolutely that, could. That coupled it. with a spectacular run of results from one of Derby, Fulham, uh, Derby Barnsley, or Peterborough. It's it's the run from Barnsley that I can't see happening. If they if they effectively have to win all of their remaining games, that is not happening. So. So, uh, in fact, Hull won one nil. Um, I can only imagine that uh, your good lady had a fantastic rest of the day because, as I said to uh, to my good lady, oh, I feel really sorry for her because uh, I've been with Paul when uh, when Middlesbrough have been beaten, and uh, well, it's not pretty sight. Nah, yeah, I made a I made a solemn vow a number of years ago that I wasn't going to let the football affect my mood one way or the other after the result had happened on a Saturday anymore because it got to the point where I was obviously it's like you'll be shot to this is back when Middlesbrough were absolutely shite um, and uh, they were losing quite often so it was a case of yeah if if I was if I was going to let the football affect my mood I would basically just be pissed off the entire time I was in existence. So. So, uh, the bad news, if, if the score for, for some of you wasn't bad enough, the bad news is that every single person on the podcast predicted Middlesbrough to win heavily in some cases, uh, slightly less heavily in other cases. Some of us decided to edge our bets by doing the, the honourable thing and seeing as he was in the room giving Hull a goal. Some of us decided that that goal would be scored by one KLP. So I'll just be taking one of those points. And uh, and moving on swiftly to Matt's favourite team, Nottingham Forest. And their match against Birmingham City. Matt. Well, Forest won... Uh, 2-0 2-0 and apparently for the second time in a few days weren't the best team despite winning 2-0 there must be something in that West Midlands water that I know is affecting people's sight um, kind of thing but um, but yes so uh, Keenan Davis scored the first goal 
and Scott McKenna scored the second. Um, that one seemed to come off the back of his head and go in. That was, uh, yeah, not not the best goal, but yeah, uh, but yeah, a, a, a win that took us third ever so briefly, and other members of the podcast got excited. I am calm at the moment. I didn't say it out loud for that reason. When I was when I was updating the book, um, I was I was confused as I had to write down a name that I'd ne- never seen before. I was like, "Who is this person? Where do they live? What do they do?" So I was like, uh, "Okay, maybe maybe it was maybe it was, it was some shenanigans." Um, this is one of those where um, almost the opposite of the Middlesbrough Hall game. Uh, everybody predicted Nottingham Forest to win. Some heavily, Mr. Williams, who had them down for a 3 0. Very close. Does get you a point. Uh, you followed in, You followed my sort of tactic by going with a Johnson Zinkenagel combo. So unfortunately, no more points for you. Uh, Stu, you, uh, you, were, you were nearly there with the score. Unfortunately, giving Birmingham City one of the goals. Didn't score you a two-pointer. However, putting Davis down to score a goal claws that additional point back. Uh, Matt, you uh, followed followed Stu almost to the letter. You predicted the same score, and you also predicted Davis to score. So two points for you. I predicted my usual Johnson's and Knagel to score. Might give you an idea of what I put down for the score. 2 0 to Nottingham Forest, so two points for me. When, when you add those two points to the other point I got, so anybody guess who won the week? Again. One for Paul, two for Matt and Stu, winning the week with three. This guy. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be uh, doing some seminars over the next few weeks. Uh, how to fluke your way to uh, winning the pr- predictions. Um, so, the, the, it, it always goes this way. Two games from last week, predicted, reviewed, done and dusted. So this week, obviously, we'll have to predict six football games. Now, Paul, how, how are we doing this? Are we going, are we going straight up to the news desk? Well... As you've said, we've got, we've got six games to predict as we have the Easter f- set of fixtures coming up. So because we've got quite a lot to get through, we might as well just dive straight in to that next set of fixtures, starting with the Good Friday. I was going to say the Good Friday Agreement then, but that's something completely different. <laughs> Nobody agreed to this. Um, it was one of those things that I was like, okay, so I've got, I've got my, my standard three games in the book. Uh, I just wonder if there's any more games to predict, and was like, what the, what the, what the what? Literally two days later, more football. It's like, oh dear, that's going to cause some sort of problem. Luton Town up first, taking on Nottingham Forest. Matt, you will be able to listen to what everyone else thinks is going to happen in this game, because you will go last. 
Stu, let's start with you. Well, they couldn't do me the favour of winning 2-1 last time, so I'll try it again. So I'll go for Luton 1, Forest 2, and I've gone for Adebayo, Luton, and I've gone for Zinkenagel and Davies. Lovely stuff. Um, I mean, it's not like I have I have a pattern for these things, but uh, Nottingham Forest two 0 Johnson and Zinknagel to score. I thank you, Paul. I don't want to be that guy. Oh, he's putting Luton down to win. Forest. I don't think Forest have lost for a while, have they? No, they are top of the form table. I can't see them not losing one of the next seven. And I think Luton are quite decent at home by the sound. So I'll go for a very narrow two-one Luton win. As as we pointed out. In fact, as it was Matt that pointed out the other week, they're not very good. They're just good at sort of like sitting back and then hitting people on the break. So I wouldn't expect them to be scoring a lot. But I just like how you're pushing the boat out that at some point in the next seven matches between now and the end of the season, Nottingham Forest might lose. Considering we're playing Bournemouth and Fulham at some point, yeah, yeah, we probably oh, will. Right, okay. Oh, thank you very much. I didn't, I didn't realize they've still got to play Fulham as well. <laughs> it was just you know you're really putting your your neck on the line there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that sort of thing where like I think it's been it's been it's been about ten games. That I think it is around about ten games, not including not including the FA Cup. The Winge and Derby fans, if we've got any, out, um, uh, might point out, yeah, you lost in the FA Cup, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, uh, but yes, I have gone for a 2-1 Forest win. Um, I think, you know, we've discussed it, that, you know, like I said, Luton are... A well-organised side, I think that's how they put. That's the polite way of putting um, <laughs> the set up to not lose and hope to score on the counter attack. And I think, you know, we'll see how Forest go. Um, I think they perhaps do they do they owe us one from the FA Cup? Oh no, it's Huddersfield that owes one from the FA Cup. Um, so I've got Adebayo to score for Luton. Um, and Davis and Surridge to score for Forest. Paul, I'll have your goal scorer as well. Uh, while you're there, uh, I will go for Lansbury. Old boy rule in effect. Which one? Uh, off. He's injured. Is he? Yeah, because Matt's going around his house after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's written it in the book, and it's a big name. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe got injured against uh, against Huddersfield. This is unacceptable. 
Ooh. Well, this changes everything. Just say Cornick and get on with it. We know where he's going. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what then. I will go for Snodgrass. And just because he's got the best name ever, I'll go for Admiral Muskway. So not only do you make I'll have a little slice out, of this, but... I'll have a little slice of the Surridge action for Forest. Andy's just had to start a brand new book just for that prediction. Yeah, I'm still writing it now. Um, <clears throat> there was there was a mention that uh, Forest had to play uh, Bournemouth before the end of the season. Um, before they play Nottingham Forest, they will in fact be playing. Middlesbrough this week. Uh, no surprises, Paul. You're going to go last on this one. Um, do you know what? F it. I'm going in. Um, I have a tendency when Middlesbrough get uh, get defeated. Uh, I work on the principle they they get they get a little reset and ease ease back in nicely. So I've just gone with a little nil one, just a little just a little one. And uh, I've decided to get on the on the Balogun train. So, a goal scored by Balogun. Matt. I am. Uh, uh, no, I've gone with a two-one win to Bournemouth for this one. Okay. Uh, Solanke, Dembele, and what more for the Borough? Who was your second Bournemouth one? Sorry. Dembele. And what more? Oh, yeah. Lovely stuff. Stu? I have gone for a one-all draw. Lovely. Um, so I've got Christy for uh, Bournemouth. And Connolly for the Borough. Paul. Oh, Stu, you joker. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's not very good. Um, I'm not even as optimistic as Matt on this one. I've gone for a 2-0 Bournemouth win. I think in the entire time we've played Bournemouth, we have got one win there. Ever. It's not a very happy hunting ground for us, uh, Whatever they're calling their stadium these days. Um, Dean Court, is it, I think? Is it not the Vitality anymore? Well, it probably is, but it's actually, you know, you know, the sponsorship-free place, please. Um, <laughs> yeah, not, not, not a great... Not a great hunting ground, so I've gone for 2-0. I'll go for... Billing and Solanke to score the goal. Right, there we go. That is that one done. Hull City are taking on another city in the form of Cardiff City. Uh, Stu, you're up last this time. Uh, I might double back like I did last time. So, Paul, give us your prediction for Hull City versus Cardiff City. Right in the crest of a wave, the, uh, the Hull Tigers 
we'll 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 choke out a one nil win over the bluebird slash red dragons, whatever they're going by these days. For old Tan. Uh yeah, I'll go for a one niller. Uh why not why not back to back games for old Pricky himself? I love that you don't hold a grudge about it though. <laughs> For a second there, I thought you were going to go with my prediction, which is a 1-0 to hold with Honeyman. I'm mixing it up a bit. I've decided to mix it up a little bit this week. Just, just a touch. One one thing I didn't um, mention was the fact that, that um, the, the new signing that's got the really long name that I can never pronounce. Sayad Manesh. Yeah. Quick. Mm. Tricky. Mm-hmm. Very good yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matt. I've got. I mean, I've got. I've gone big with this one. I've gone for a two-one whole win. Because mm. Cardiff can't even beat Derby, so yeah, I thought, yeah, we'll go with that. Um, I've gone fours and Longman to score for Hull. And Volks for Cardiff. Lovely stuff. And Stu, how is your team going to fare? Well, you've clearly all forgotten that I am going to this game. And we're taking the boys. And the last twice this season, they have done the cheaper tickets for children. They have been playing teams that they should be beating. And lost! So let's go for a whole one Cardiff two scoreline, and I have gone for Honeyman for Hull, and I have gone for Hugill and an absolute Doyle for Cardiff. Okay, I've just been, just been digging up the form tables. Uh, we might all want to change our thing because Hull are firmly at the bottom of the form table because the last four, ma- four games at home, they've lost. <laughs> we don't win at home. Second We're all right away, aren't we, Paul? Oh. Actually, you are top of the form table in four away games. Hull, in the last four games, three wins, one draw, top of the table in the away four. Bloody hell. Do we play away from home every week? I mean, yes. Now then, the six games to predict, three of them are done. Do you want to carry on with predictions or do you want to break it up? Keep going? Keep going. Oh, absolutely. We're a roll. We're on a roll. Oh, that might change your mind. Well, let's see how far we get with Middlesbrough back at it, going up against Uddersfield Town. So, let me see. Matt. I've gone for two all draw. Two all. Interesting. I've gone Balligan and Crooks for Borough. And Holmes and Ward for Huddersfield. And by that, by the look of that, I've predicted exactly what Stu was going to predict as well. So close. Uh, well, I've gone with a Middlesbrough 2, Huddersfield 0, Crooks and Watmore 
to score those goals. Stu. So, remember what Matt just said? Mm. <laughs> Pretty much the same, because I've gone for 2-2. Two, two. Okay. And I've gone for Watmore and Balligan. And Holmes and Ward. So I think we are one goal scorer different, and that is it. Let's see what the man himself, the Middlesbrough supporter, thinks to these predictions by giving us his own dear prediction. Will it predict more in hope than expectation? I'll go for a slight 2-1 win to the Borough. These next two games will basically determine whether or not we're going to get in the playoffs, I think. Um, I'll go for Crooks by the way hasn't scored in like 10 games I think. so he's due one um, you'd imagine so but he like pretty much all the team had a very very poor game on Saturday um, two goals where the hell are they going to come from um, let's have a Paddy McNair Penner um and a Tav. Let's go for a Tav. Okay. They need a goal scorer. Right, how many, how many ex-Borough players have they got in their squad? If he was playing a bit more regularly, you'd, go, you'd just go Rhodes because he's played for everybody, I think. Oh, do you know what bollocks to it? He never scored at the Riverside when he was when he was playing for us. So yeah, I think that might, this might be the first time he's played since he left. If he gets on, so go for Jordan Rhodes. Okay. Again, I heard uh, I heard Millwall mentioned at some point, and now I'm mentioning them again. They are taking on Hull City. And uh, true to form, I've switched back to uh, Lewis Potter scoring just the one goal. Uh, but it's alright because Millwall won't be scoring at all. 1 0. Right there. Boom. Done it. Uh, Matt. I've gone for a, ooh, another 2 1 win for Hull. Like it. Uh, Wallace for Millwall. And podcast favourites, KLP and Honeyman. Form team away from home. Oh. I will go for a 1-0 win, as that seems to be their MO at the minute. And I'm really sorry. Syed Manesh. Whatever you think is the correct word, and we'll work it out from there. I've done. I've done my very best. <laughs> Shoot. Last two predictions. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. So I've gone for a one-one draw, which is about as optimistic as I get predicting my own team results. Let's be fair. Um, 
So I have gone for Wallace, which I believe Matt said. And unfortunately for you, Andy, I have gone for Syed Manesh for Hull. Especially if, Paul, if you could just say again by the end of the podcast, maybe three or four more times about how he's got no end product, that should really help things out on Saturday. The question is, can we smash out the last prediction of the week in under five minutes? Let's find out. Here we go. Nottingham Forest versus the Women's Basketball Association, or as they're more commonly known, West Bromwich Albion. Um, I'm going to set you up here. I'm going to let I'm going to let it fly. So, I said I was mixing things up, and as anybody who listens to this know, I like to keep you know keep things tight, keep things real close. Don't want to be getting all crazy and, you know, and obviously I've set that up now so that uh, my 3-1 prediction has has a, has a much higher impact. Johnson, Zinkenagel, and I'm getting on the Davis train, but uh, Carroll to score for the WBA. Stu. Simple, one mil forest, Johnson. Love it. Paul. Absolutely unbelievably, I've also gone for 1 3. So I don't know how that's happened, but I'll go for Mowat to score for West Brom. I'll go for Davis to get 2 and Surridge to get the third. And the Forest fan to finish us off. A 1 all draw. There's our boy. There he is. Good lad. One all draw. As, as, as Paul said, you, know, you can't you can't win. Well, you know they're going to lose some points in the seven games, and uh, you know can possibly win them all. Um, I've gone one all. Graben and Carroll. The forgotten man. The forgotten sixty goal a season man. Came on on uh, on Saturday and looked sharp. I think it was the phrase. Jinx. (laughs) And with that absolute bombshell that both me and Paul had the same joke there, what we're going to do is we're going to have to recover from that and uh, take a a small commercial break. Uh, We shall return with the week's news, and I'm sure somebody's got something funny for us to talk about, so... uh, We'll be right back. Recording in progress. And that is that. We're back. Back at it. Back, uh, back once again with the whatever. Um, I believe it's news o'clock. Look, looking at my watch, it's news o'clock. So, who's got the news? The little bit of. Uh craziness at Hull City this past week so um, obviously we've talked about it at length in uh, previous weeks we have a new owner may have mentioned that once or twice Um, and he's got a big job on his hands in terms of winning the fans back over so you know he's been doing like the the cheap tickets for the kids and uh, like if you're a pass holder you can bring a mate for two quid on those games as well so you know there's, there's been some some goodwill shown, but he really kicked it up a notch this past week by uh, 
like attending like a you know supporters club event or anything like that. No, 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 no. This guy, don't forget, is the Turkish Simon Cowell. So he went all out, no expense spared, set up an evening with the guy who nobody can pronounce his name. And obviously the first question was, how do you pronounce the name? Having watched this, because they also live-streamed it on YouTube, his first name is definitely Ajun, so I've got that bit. But his surname's still a bit ropey on, so I'm going to go with Ilijali for now. So Ajun Ilijali. Um, lots of bizarre things came out of this. Um, first and foremost, he was late. Not because he wasn't in the building, but because he'd been at the training ground playing football with the footballers in the afternoon and needed a massage before he could possibly go and be interviewed on stage. So he was late for that reason. Um, it was, however, nice to hear that, that, that his warm-up act was Nicky Barmby. So uh, a man who weirdly was seemingly exiled from the club in very strange circumstances. Didn't yeah. Really but... Um, it was nice to hear from him, and he seems to be sort of uh, back in the fold, as it were. So that, that could be an interesting development. Hopefully, uh, that relationship gets repaired as well as part of this takeover. Um, then there was lots of questions, as you can imagine, about you know where do you want to where do you want to see the club this season? What do you want to see going forward? So quite open and honest, said that survival was always the thing this year, as we talked about earlier in the results. Pretty much there, pretty much. Um, but once the playoff push next year, um, okay, I mean, that that's kind of exciting to hear as a fan, but also, you know, walk before you can run and all that business. Um, then he decided to talk about the different things that he's doing to get the fans back on side, and this is where it took a huge swing towards left field in the sense of um, one of his ideas that he's built up and apparently this has never been done before because he's clearly mixed with Vince as well um, but he's going to select or there's a way of selecting 250 Hull City fans so it'll be people who have a season pass essentially we, we think at this point because it was a bit vague, possibly the people who've had season passes for the longest. Who knows? And they're allowed to bring one guest, and they're not just going to have like a meet the team or anything like that. He's going to take them to Turkey, all expenses paid, for five days. And he's also going to be there in the same hotel with his team and all the rest of it. Like, this guy, like, has, has he met people from home? Like, this is this is a guy who apparently has lots of money, but he's opened it up to 500 people from Hull, and there's going to be an all-inclusive bar. I mean, you want to buy a striker next season, maybe don't pick up that bar tab, is all I'm saying. <laughs> it's, it's insane. I don't know what, like, Fair enough, it's never been done before, but that's probably because nobody ever thought, do you know what we should do? I know, let's take, take 500 fans to Turkey. I, 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 it's a really, really strange move. It, it, it's, uh, it, it's out there, I'll give him that, but 
I mean, let's be honest. If there's a, if there's a surefire way of getting fans on side, open your checkbook, tell people they'll drink for free. You're pretty much halfway there. So, I mean, he's he's got he's got a lot of making up to do in that that regard. Then, because the stadium's what twenty three and a half thousand, and he's only taking five hundred of them. <laughs> Well, uh, and it's that sort, of, and it's that thing. If he's if he's only doing it for two hundred and fifty, and they can bring a guest, what's to say that the guest that they bring is even bothered about the football club? But but this is this is the way it works, isn't it? It's the Mike Ashley principle. You turn up at the Strawberry Pub and you buy everybody in the Strawberry a beer, and everybody thinks you're amazing. So, and we we can sit here and go, well, yeah, it's only two hundred and fifty people out of twenty three thousand. The math doesn't work out. <clears throat> There's a lot of dimwits about, to put it politely, and they'll be thinking, oh, I'll buy a season pass because next year it might be me because I didn't see the T's and C's for uh, for the thing of, oh, it was 250 of the longest-serving season ticket holders that the club have had. No, no, next year it might be taking me and my family to go on, on the lash in Turkey next year. And... Uh, and they'll, yeah, definitely be. So we'll, we'll all have season tickets and then we might all go and then we can take my mum and dad as well. Because then, we, you know, if, if we all get picked, then everybody's a big old family holiday and we'll go absolutely mortal in Turkey. And maybe he'll take it for two weeks next year. We'll pay for it. And that's the, you know, that's the logic of some fans on, in this planet of like, I bet the Strawberry Pub in, in Newcastle did a roaring trade for the first season or so in Newcastle because... People have turned up thinking, oh, Cashley's going to turn up and pay for our beers for the next uh, after the match. And then when it stopped happening, people were like, oh, he's a cock. And you're like, yeah, he was before, but he just bought like 100 people a beer. And then you all fell for it. I mean, I'm not not saying that, that our guy is um, sort of that way inclined, shall we say, but... <laughs> It, it all feels a little bit like short-term win for me, like, and it, it and straight away, if things go sour at any point, it'll be well. It took you, but it didn't take me. You never like people. Just unfortunately, people are like that. So I think he means well, but I've just maybe tread that course a little lighter than he has so far. Um, but yeah, um, and and you would have thought. That was possibly the strangest news to come out of Hull this week. Um, except for we've, all, we've also now been linked with signing Meza Ozil next season. Which is just insane. So he left he left Arsenal under a bit of a cloud from what I understand. Um, he's gone to Fenerbahce and had a bit of a fallout there as well from, from what I understand, which is where he's sort of languishing at the moment. Now... Again, the new owner, big big fan of big fan of the, the Turkish football. Seen seemingly not only the uh, white knight that the whole city needs, but he's going to ride into Fenerbahce and rescue Mesut Ozil at this point in time as well. From uh, if you if you believe the reports, personally, I think he's still probably a little bit out of our, our wage <laughs> wage structure. Um, well, I'm pretty sure at some point. When he was Arsenal, there were rumours doing the round that he was closer to like three hundred grand a week, or something in that sort of ridiculous realm. And let's 
let's not sort of like you know beat around the bush too much but like 300 grand a week probably covers 75% of the playing staff at home if not all mm. it may not fit in the financial fair play regulations shall we say well this when I was talking uh, with my father-in-law about the situation a few days ago and uh, the end of the conversation was well we don't want to be Derby now do we so that's that's how that's how it ended, and that is is the perfect point to which to end that that part of the the whole news for this week. So yeah, it was quite all, all absolutely batshit crazy. Seemingly. I was going to say that the only the, I'll add on to that was the uh, the quote that I enjoyed of they wanted a striker like Steph Curry, who is an NBA guard who is very prolific from the three point range, which is about twenty four feet away from the basket. So basically, he wants a 30-goal season striker that scores all of the goals from outside of the box. And I, I love it. It's like the most accurate kind of... Can you imagine 30 goals in top bins? But like kind of thing. That would be immediate podcast favourite. It's the... Well, it's the sort of the... Almost the Ruben Neves principle, isn't it? Like when he was, when he was in the Championship at Wolves, I think they had a thing where... And he, I think he scored... In his first season, I think he scored five or six goals or something like that. And I don't think one of them was from like closer in than like twenty five yards out or something like that. Does he only not really only dealt in absolute screamers. That's Doesn't like it? times five though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is nonsense. We've, we've already got KLP on the books, I don't know what he's worried <laughs> about. They're about the same size, I think. <laughs> yeah, they all they all count as a goal though, don't they, Paul? I just uh, one of the one of the like one of the main like sort of like fucking wind up merchants on Saturday was Smallwood. You'd have think you'd have thought he'd know better coming from the fucking area. Possa. He got he got su- he got subbed with about maybe five or ten minutes to go, and then sort of like trotted off to the side of the pitch, stopped halfway to take one of his shin pads off. So Connolly went and picked him up and carried him off the pitch. <laughs> Needless to say, he reacted and they both got booked. Of course they did. That, that, ref, that ref was on some sort of sponsorship deal. It has to have been that last week. He was like, I've got all of these yellow cards. What am I going to do with them? I'll hand them out to other people. Maybe. Just maybe. He was going back through his book and worked out that in his last like you know five games, he'd only given out two. So he was quarter filling. Maybe it's like you know when they when they when you're about the council that they get their budget, and then if they get to the end of the year and they've got loads of excess, they go like they go around and fill in potholes. So yeah. they don't have to, like so they don't have to give the budget because they, they, if they have money left in the budget at the end of the year, it gets cut for the next year. So they spend all the excess. I can't. I, I can't. Maybe it's I can't, the same principle uh, but for like cards. I can't possibly imagine what you're talking about there. It, uh, it only took me 25 minutes to get into town today. Because uh, those really important roadworks that they're doing on a major crossing on the way into town, that as I pointed out to uh, to the stats mistress, uh, this is this is essential roadworks. That's why there is one man who is sitting in a van smoking a cigarette. <laughs> That's why like, well, welcome to the 
Welcome to the latest in the uh, you know the podcast from Cookie Cast. It is of course Political Speak Cast, where we uh, dissect the. We already, the ins do, and outs we already of do the... bullshit cast. It's fine. <laughs> Wait. Oh, lovely stuff. Um. Yeah, it's it's been a, a very quiet news week, really. Um. Obviously, we had the biggest game in. Uh, in in world football took place on Sunday. I can't I can't find the tweet, but it was absolutely spectacular because it was something along the lines of, "Oh yeah, this truly is the biggest game in English football." You've got Man City with their zero European ti- European titles going up against that great Liverpool side who didn't win a top flight division for thirty years, and it was like, "Ooh, ooh, ooh you salty bastard!" But it was brilliant because of, of course the first person that he showed that had liked it, Gary Neville, absolutely textbook. Ah, uh, it was, he was fun. Sat next to the person who tweeted it. He was like, "Just he probably said to him, you tweet this, and then I'll like it straight away." <laughs> um, but I, I didn't actually see the game because I was at a christening. Uh, but it sounded like it was actually quite a good game because I think it finished 2 2, didn't it? So. it? There's no denying that they're the best two teams in the country at the moment. But to call it the biggest rivalry in English football is incorrect. It's it's not even Liverpool's biggest rivalry. It's not even like it's Liverpool Man United, then it's Liverpool Everton, then there's probably another Liverpool Leeds or something like that before it then get to Man City. It's well, just. The- game at the moment it's not the biggest round it, uh, it, well, given it like, drove me insane given everything, given everything that happened in like the Champions League in like the mid 2000s you'd probably say that Chelsea are a bigger sort of you know rivalry for Liverpool than Man City and, and how many times did they play Arsenal in the FA Cup stuff as well like, like, like exactly just, like, Wait, it's only because the both happen to be doing well at this point in time and the way that the fixtures have fallen and they've got so far in the respective competitions that they happen to be playing each other like fairly regularly at the moment as well. I just, like, watching it, it was just gross because if you said to people in, in this country that know about football, name the top ten rivalries in this country, that game would not be on there. Go and speak to some dipshit American YouTuber and he'll talk about it like it's the most important thing ever. And fine, yeah, alright. But let's not kid ourselves. This is a new rivalry that might become something big in the next few years, but I doubt it. And yeah, it just annoyed me. It just really, really annoyed me that it was put on this kind of like Oh, look at this fantastic day of sport we've got. We've got the, you know, and, you know, whether you like F1 or not, you've got the Australian Grand Prix. It's an event. Uh, the Masters ended the day. That is an event. And then I can't think what the the early, like the mid morning was or something else. And then and then it's oh, but you had the big match today, the biggest rivalry in English football. And I'm like, oh, piss off! It's like a club that was in League One ten seasons ago against, like you said, a club that haven't won, didn't win anything for 30 years and was to crow about being the biggest club in the country. Um, only to win a couple of trophies. You know, or, you know, yeah, they've won a few trophies along the way, but Christ almighty, it's not this this 
thing that everyone's sitting at the end of the, sitting on the seat, you know, sitting on the edge of the seats, going, oh, "When's it going to be Liverpool, Man City?" You, you know what the you know what the earlier game was that they were all excited about, don't you? Just to hammer home the point, they were maybe over-egging it a little bit. Norwich Burnley. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's definitely there's definitely talk to say that's probably the second biggest rivalry in English football. So <laughs> the second biggest rivalry on Sky Sports that day is the. <laughs> Probably the second biggest rivalry on Sky Sports at that specific time of the day. <laughs> oh! There was a Monaco versus Trois game where half the stadium was empty. Genuinely, genuinely was something that I saw on Sunday. It was absolutely ridiculous. That a top-flight game in France. They went to the stadium in Monaco. It was half empty. It was ridiculous. It is crazy, like you. Like... I mean, fair enough, you, you do get like some clubs where the, the attendance isn't, you know, up there with like, they've, they've, their stadium is generally too big and so that, but you don't, you don't really tend to see it like in the top flight of like English clubs, like Scottish clubs, any, any like one like it's about. So yeah, it's just, it's just strange. Anything else from a news perspective? Um, Man United are apparently close to agreeing terms with the Ajax manager to take over as their new boss. Um, Eric Ten Hag, I believe is his name. But doesn't really affect us. It might affect Matt next season when Nor- uh, when Forrester, you know, steamrolling through the uh, the Premier League with their, you know, with their twenty five million pound, uh, you know. Full full time right back that they've been able to buy because they've got promoted. It'll be. I mean, if I'm allowed, if you know, if folks do get promoted and I'm allowed on the podcast to talk about it next year, uh, then uh, it, it get ready for lots of uh, scores that are very similar to the FA Cup run because it's going to be <laughs> miserable. Is is the first? If like, so, when Forest do get back in the top flight. Regardless of like you know survival hopes, blah blah blah, is the first aim get twelve points. Oh, just so they just so they don't like beat Derby's record. That should be every club's target. <laughs> don't you get to you've got to get to twelve. I mean, realistically, you want to get to twenty points. I think anything less than twenty points is embarrassing anyway. Um, but yeah, God. I, yeah, I don't even want to think. I don't, I don't even want to think about the prospect of it. <laughs> oh dear. We had, like I say, a bit, a bit of a bit of a slow news week, really. Okay. Anything else then before we say goodbye? Nothing, nothing from my end. Obviously, yes. the uh, we, we sort of covered the funny. With the uh, that tweet about Man City with their zero European titles and Liverpool with that thirty-year uh, barren spell being the biggest club. Um, the only thing I'd seen was their former Chelsea uh, Man United winger Arjen Robin, who retired in the summer, ran a marathon at the weekend, three hours thirteen minutes and forty seconds, which is. Good work. Good work. Say, say, knackered at the end of it. 
Um, but yeah, I was, I was quite impressed by it. Um, but yeah, not not something I'll ever do. But um, yeah, yeah, three hours thirteen. So yeah, very good. Nice work. There you go. Just because one door closes does not mean that another door hasn't opened. Speaking of closing doors, it's for me to say thank you to you gentlemen for taking me and these lovely people through the sometimes murky waters of the football world. Join us next week where we'll be talking the six games that were predicted this week and no doubt predicting more fantastic football. Until then, it's goodbye from me. And I'm sure it's goodbye from these gentlemen here. We shall see you next week. Goodbye. So what do you think to that? Another one gone. Another week of games gone. Another week of games to come. All football all the time. That's what we like. Before I let you get out of here, I will just uh, one last time remind you to uh, please like, share, comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts because it does mean a lot to us and it helps us to bring you more wonderful content uh you can also jump over to the website cookiecast.com we've got social media info there and an email button for you to be able to get in touch with us that's it for this one until next time i'm gonna say bye and i'll see you then